Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Welcome you back to this episode where the Dean comes back after a birthday celebration last week with his film pick of the week, which is, of course, 2014's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Very long title, but it is a very long movie. We're going to find out. And that film was directed by Anna Lily Amrapour. I hope I said that right. If she's listening, sorry. I doubt she is, but hey, listen, we all make mistakes. But as always, I'm joined by the one that doesn't walk home alone at night because I'm always with him, the bold and the beautiful, the gold geek Keith. Well, that there, my friend, is a lie. He might be with me in spirit. He's definitely not with me when I walk because, indeed, when I walk, I walk alone. But Mm. what is going on, everybody? (laughs) How you all doing tonight? I thought you were going to start saying Godsmack there for a second. I was like, oh, oh no, oh no, he's going in the fucking early aughts action territory with the Godsmack songs. He walks alone. No, no, I'm not feeling the new metal right now, man. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> uh, pull out some creed. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm about to bring on the demonic deans. Let's see, he's here, and I don't want to be out with further ado. Dean, welcome back to the show. Thank you. New metal, what is it, 2002? He just wants to break stuff. Oh, come on. That's late 90s, man. I missed the man. first part of that. This, I, I, is that I, 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 I don't, I don't, know, I don't know, man. That was never new metal. Biscuit was like mid-2000s. That wasn't 90s. I mean, I have to say, well, I mean, word no, bands they played like... No, um, 99, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I'm fucking old. I thought that was like 2001, 2002. Oh, yeah, there was man. a period of time where, where the ghoul loved that shit. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> was a Durst guy? Man, look at him no, with the backwards baseball cap on. <laughs> don't get, don't try don't to play all coy, wrong. dude. You totally had a phase where you were like, Limp Biscuit's the best thing ever. And I was like, what on earth? Okay, that, oh, holy shit, okay. I, I can honestly say there's never been a moment in my life where the words, <laughs> except for right now, Limp Biscuit is the greatest thing ever. Like, that has <laughs> never escaped these lips except for this moment. Um, all right, so one of those days. I mean, I, I chose those words. Their music. Yeah, there were times. I like that one song you did with the dude from fucking Stained. Oh, you know, awful. Anyway, um, what were you saying? Dean? You know, I just, I just, I, I was just, I, I chose those words to in, encapsulate, uh, you know, a whole mm-hmm. feeling and movement that you had around that for a period of time. I, did, I was not trying to represent that you spoke those exact words out loud to me, uh, but by mm-hmm. your, uh, your unending blasting of that stuff and talking about it, uh, you know, I stand by my statement, Talk even though yes, I will I say that you did not utter those words. <laughs> I literally know <laughs> one Limp Biscuit song and the song that he did with fucking the guy from Saints, Aaron Lewis or whatever the fuck his name is, man. So, I don't know. Do we, 
Why don't we talk about your love of NSYNC or something like that? <laughs> Why would I, I mean? I never listened to that band really, though. I mean, we can. I have. Oh, that's, I, I that's, don't talk about my love of any any music. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, NSYNC had a couple of cool music videos from their <laughs> Kick album in the late '80s, uh, but it was not. You know, I mean, it was quite fine. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Why was I thinking? You said NSYNC. I, I, my brain heard in excess. Oh no, yeah, no, you said NSYNC. No, 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 no. Uh, my bad. I'm like talking about like the in excess <laughs> album Kick from fucking 1987 or something. I'm like, I, uh, that's what my brain heard. <laughs> He's more of a Papa Roach guy. <laughs> So, so anyway, do we have horror news or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about new metal all night. <laughs> uh, I mean, Please, no. look, if that's what you guys, if that's oh. going to make you all happy and bring you back to your glory days, then then don't let me get in the way. Please, carry on. Well, they passed no, by no. glory days, you know. Yeah, the wake of yeah. girl's eye. Glory days. Yep. This is true. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, what do you have for us, A couple of things, uh, you know, that, you know, flitter around the fringes. Uh, the Tiger King Zoo has officially closed. Oh. They had their federal, they had their federal animal license uh, suspended, so their zoo has been closed. Uh, the grounds of the zoo will continue to be used to produce, uh, you know, Tiger King-related material, but the zoo has closed to the public. I know that everyone is broken up about that. What's that? <laughs> Remember when that was popular? Oh, it feels like a year ago. Like like four years ago when that was all the (laughs) reason. You know, as we see, the whole idea of this this pandemic and everything with everybody being stuck at home and all that, we've seen that society rapidly moves fast to their entertainment when they are enclosed in these types of situations. Things that normally yes. would have stretched out maybe for a little bit longer period of time are now like all just really shortened. So Tiger King's like 15 minutes of fame really was about two and a half minutes. So Sure, but still, I, I will have to say, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this because I'm usually one that's not involved in these kinds of things, but I feel that was the first one in a while, and and it and, and it was the perfect storm of its of its um, you know its absurdity Timing. and the fact that yeah. every everyone's doors had just been locked to the outside world. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that was the first time in a while there had been like one of these huge, real huge, like collective, like culturally collective thing across the whole spectrum that everybody was into. So I felt it was like a similar swell a few years back when Netflix did that making a murderer thing where like the, like the yeah. entire universe did do it, you know? That's what exactly that's I was a good one too. What, like two, two years ago, three years ago? No, that's a longer than that, man. I think it's longer than that. I think in this streaming world, things feel like they're a lot further back than they really are. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, I, the original episode was in 2015. Okay. So that, yeah, I, I was about to say, I'm, I'm pretty though. sure. Yeah, no, I watched it, you know, not immediately, but pretty soon into it when it was all the rage. And I was about to say it had to be more than just two years ago because I was pretty sure that I hadn't yet moved to California. And that was in the spring of 2016. So. 
and I, I, you know, I probably didn't watch it until about two years ago. I don't think I caught it until yeah. 2018. Oh. And I, you know, and that's not that we're trying to have a whole discussion about that, but I never followed up with like a second season of that or anything. You know, I no. watched the first season. No, and there was nothing you know. to follow up with. I watched some of nope. the second season. It's literally, yeah. you know, this this other lawyer that they hire <laughs> who swears to you that she's got some kind of bombshell fucking thing that's uh, gonna light the world on fire and get him exonerated and out. And it's literally like nothing at all. It's all about trying to find another person that doesn't seem to exist anywhere that they believe might have actually committed the murder. Yep. Yeah. Oh, uh, what a what a bomb that second season was. Yeah. <laughs> and then also well, well, just just try to capitalize on it while it was hot, you know? It's the same thing that's that true, of course. the uh getting that extra episode of Tiger King in, which, you know, really wasn't much of anything. Right. So also uh something that, you know, we talk about on the show as news pops up. Uh, as we all are, you know, it, it could be one of the um, one of the properties that I am uh, most looking forward to with the greatest amount of anticipation. Uh, the third season, the creators, uh, the third season of Cobra Kai, which is going to debut uh, sometime later this year on Netflix as it switched platforms. Uh, they did, and I, we mm. talked about this, but they announced August 28th as uh, the date that seasons one and two uh, will hit the streaming service for Netflix. Uh, they have yet to give their release date, but the creators did put out an update that said that nothing having to do uh, with season three had any effect from COVID, um, but they're just going to hold off a little bit on the release date for season three, being that it's moving to a platform with a much wider audience. They want to give a Good new large audience an opportunity. They want to give them yeah. time to watch season one and two uh, before they put on season three. But uh, as I have said um, on numerous occasions and will continue to do so, um, I think that it's absolutely brilliant television, and I just cannot wait for season three. Speaking, uh, well, obviously I can agree with that completely. I think we're all lovers of the Karate Kid and the Cobra yeah. Kai series here. Uh, we all mm-hmm. love our mac and cheese because Daniel loves his <laughs> mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. But that, yep. Yeah, you know, I'll suck a dick on the corner for some mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> like crack. That being said, though, you know, one show that I know that me and, Ann, that me and the King here both watch, um, and I just began season four, episode one of, uh, of Riverdale, uh, that, too, is actually quite a show, quite a series, man. It picks up real fast. But I have to say, that first fucking episode of season four, the memoriam to, to, to Luke Perry. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. Fucking tore me up. Talk about just Killed devastating, me. man. Absolutely heart-crushingly devastating. Me and the ghoul girl is sitting here, and there, there wasn't a moment throughout this episode that one of us were not crying in some way, shape, or form. It was just horrendous. What a mess. Oh, and when Doherty shows up? Holy shit. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. There's a spoiler <laughs> yeah. for anybody that hasn't seen it, if you intended to. Well, there you go. You got something to look forward to. It's funny, too, because everything, like, I, again, like I always do, I haven't, like, looked into anything for it. But knowing that, you know, he had died during, you know, season three or whatever it was, because there was yeah. a point where at the mm-hmm. end of the one episode they said it, um... You know, we were trying to, like, flesh it out and figure out how they were going to pull it off. And, like, I called every single thing down to even a <laughs> cast member from 90210 showing up in the episode. Like, every little thing. I was just Who like, yeah, up? this is probably going to 
Uh, Doherty. Shannon Doherty. Brenda. Did she show up as Brenda? No, <laughs> she showed up as another Crossover. character. <laughs> I mean, that could have been. It could have been done. It's the same channel that ran 90210. So not Beverly Hills 90210, but the other series that was 90210. Uh, but again, so yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a series worth checking out. A lot of, lot of horror related things in oh, that, from funny. people that are directing episodes to to some of the writers. There's all kinds of nods and everything. And if Jughead goes. I'm done. I ain't watching the show anymore. He is my main <laughs> right. for that entire series. I'm so man. protective of him. <laughs> don't hurt him. Don't, don't touch him. <laughs> well, especially considering how season three ended with that little flash forward, you know, so oh, I don't yeah. know what that's yeah. about. No, you'll find out. But, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm glad you caught up real quick. <laughs> season four, you're already done. So, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I heard like season four doesn't end. Um, and that I guess that because of COVID, so they're gonna like yep. tack on the end of season four at the beginning of season five. Yeah, as far as I know, so you have to see how it plays out because it does have a lot of good stuff. And I just actually caught up myself not that long ago, so looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the rest of season four. But sorry about that, Dean. Go ahead. What's what's next? Why are you apologizing to me? This is nothing but healthy conversation. Okay, uh, well, like I guess we're talking about something you're not aware of, Riverdale, so. Okay. And we have to always on this program talk about things that every host that participates uh, is is on the up and up about? Yes. Yes. Then I don't, then I'd just like to say that for the last, I don't know, five years, uh, it's not really fair, uh, all of the hours that I had to sit through listening to Marvel and wrestling. Weep. <laughs> Wah! <laughs> Try for me. So, anyway, what else do we have in the news? Is there anything going on? Well, I know movie theaters are opening this week, at least around here, anyway. I know. AFT theaters. 15 cents a Yeah, I didn't... I didn't I didn't watch it because I have no plans to go, especially because uh, my my local theater right in town, uh, where if I do go to the movies, uh, you know, 90% of the t- things that I see are at this theater. It's um, you know, it's a different theater chain, and our theater right now has no plans uh, to reopen, as far as I know. But uh, I did see that uh, the theaters that are opening, one of them, I think, might have been AMC. They put out a they put out a video uh, explaining. Uh, their safety procedures and precautions. I did not watch said video because I would not be going to an AMC theater. Um, but apparently they're taking safety. Uh, you know, it's it's the of the utmost importance, even more so than profit. Um, but anyway. I know it's uh, a we short have, person that's going to make sure that the theater is extra clean every time. <laughs> extra yeah. clean. Sanitized. And, and like a tuba. <laughs> he plays the tuba. Uh, does that guy, does he still work at that movie theater? <laughs> you know, I, I can tell you I remember seeing him somewhere within the last five years. I don't remember if it was Fat Theater or one of the other AMC theaters, but I have seen but, him. I just haven't so seen he's him. So he's still in the movie business? He's still I in the movie business. I believe so. I believe so, yes. He's, he's a career a career AMCer. All right, <laughs> all right. Get that AMC so, pension. Uh, you know, it's 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 
it's been said for some time that the fourth, the upcoming fourth season of Stranger Things was going to end up being the final season. Uh, that mm-hmm. with the rapid maturity and growth of all of the cast members, uh, that the show was always envisioned to be a show where at the center uh, is kids um, and not, you know, adults. Uh, or, <laughs> That's what or Jeffrey late, said. Right. <laughs> or, uh, you know, late <laughs> adolescents. Um, you know, but this was a show centered around kids. Well, the Duffers are now saying that uh, season four is not going to be the end of Stranger Things. Uh, they did say that they know what the end of Stranger Things is going to be and when the end of Stranger Things is, but the pandemic has given them the time to really look ahead into the story uh, to figure out what is going to be best for the show. Um, when it comes to the upcoming fourth season, uh, not everything is done filming yet, but they said that all of their scripts are completely revised and written and ready to go, and that the safety of the cast and the crew uh, is number one. But it's going to be real curious to see, uh, you know, how they approach what is what is actually happening, you know, in life because of age with their cast. Because I just saw a photo in the news, like, I don't know, two or three days ago, apparently uh, Millie Bobby Brown uh, was photographed out on the town with uh, another actress, and, like, she looks like an adult, not an adult adult, but, like, she don't look like no kid anymore, you know? Um, She's the oldest of them and has been the one maturing the most. That's true. Right, so I haven't seen seen the rest of them around, really, uh, but it'll be curious to see, because in, in the previous, in season three, there was a big difference in some of them from the first episode to the last episode in just, in just that one season. So I know, th- and I know that they had to do some things with the filming and camera angles, you know, for heights of certain characters and whatnot. Uh, but it'll be curious to see what happens, you know, like season well, four of Stranger Things is one of those things that, that like all of us I'm looking forward to, but uh, well, I'm, I'm curious to see how the COVID shutdown has affected it. Well, I mean, I know one of the things that from when we met Rando, Randy Havens, um, the guy that plays Mr. Clark, um, he said originally, you know, and again, this is right after I the thought first thought that was Morgan Freeman. What? No. No. Morgan, well, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> he played Mr. What? Clark. He um, played Mr. Clark. Stand by me. Yeah, he yes. did. Lean on me. Yes, stand yep. by me. I'm talking about lean on me, not stand by me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the um, other one. That's, that's uh, kid funny about I think it. I even said lean by me. I think it's lean on me. Well, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, Mr. Clark, Stranger Things, Randy Havens, um, he said at the time um, that he knew of at least that the Duffer Brothers had kind of had it planned out for five seasons. Um and that they didn't have anything further than that. So obviously, if they, with the success of the series and the popularity of it and everything, you know, if they want to add on from there, they can. But one of the best parts about taking something like that and having it set in a different time period is you can always fast forward time by a year or two to reflect the kid's age. 
it's not yes. like uh-huh. that season has to take place the following year. It's not like something that has to be done in that way. We could fast forward two, three, four years, and you got all kinds of new, you know, little references that you can throw in, all kinds of new little things that could be done there, and it then also reflects that the kids are older. And see, you are correct about that because originally, when like the first two seasons of Stranger Things came and uh, you know obviously had this monumental popularity that it had, they did go ahead and say that they had envisioned it as a five-season series, but they had changed that statement had changed, and they had changed it and said that they had were now looking for seasons because of the ages and changes going on with the cast. Like that was that was stated publicly somewhere along the lines, but. Apparently, apparently that has changed once again. And obviously, um, you know, I would imagine with things like this, you know, I, I don't think that it's the easiest thing in the world to create a television series that's going to catch hold of an audience. Um, and I feel like if the iron is hot and the getting's good, like you shouldn't be in such a rush uh, to, to, to turn it off if you feel that you can continue to, can continue to tell a compelling story. I think the key word there is compelling story more than just trying to hit while the iron is hot. You know, as we saw with the success of Stranger Things, we got a flood of films and other series that tried to ape and mimic that very same thing with varying degrees of success. Well, that happens whenever there's something that's popular. Of course, but when you're the source material and you actually have a structured story that you are capable of telling, you can then also craft it and change it. Let them do all the mimicry. Let them do all the copycat shit. Don't allow the, you know, whatever Netflix or whoever it is that's going to be, obviously their bosses are paying, you know, paying the bills. I get that they have to go by their guidelines and whatnot, but give as fans, we want the story to continue to make sense. We want to watch it and feel as entertained in season four and five as we did in season one. Case in point, look at a series like Lost, which was so great in season Mm, one, season two, and then each subsequent season just got worse and worse and worse until you get to the the finale and you're like, well, you're fucking kidding me? That's what we said back in season one, so you just wasted our fucking time for four more seasons. Um... You know, so that that's what I don't want to feel here. If they can do this and they can do it right, I'd be very pleased with the Duffer Brothers here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite agree. All right, what else do you have, Dean? Uh, continuing along in the world of television, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, which we have talked about uh, as a Netflix property and how they had put out the first um, six episode. Uh, to varying degrees of quality, so I'm told I still have just watched the first two, uh, has announced, and they had said that, you know, there's going to be more coming when they have announced that uh, the second six episodes of this season, whether this turns out to be a one-season deal or it continues on, uh, will hit Netflix on October 19th, uh, right as we're in the prime of the Halloween season. So, um, if you are a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, uh, October 19th, uh, they have not announced what stories they're going to be exploring. Uh, just a note that one of these is going to contain uh, an unusual ghost episode. So, 
uh, you know, if that's your kind of thing, you should be looking forward to that. I, I have said repeatedly uh, how, you know, growing up, the original Unsolved Mysteries uh, was, that was, that was must-see television for me. That was can't-miss TV. Uh, if there was an, a, a possibility of me having to miss an episode, that was one that was like set the timer on the VCR to record it. Um, I had a couple of different mm-hmm. VHS tapes that I would use to record and then record over, uh, you know, when I needed to record Unsolved Mysteries. That was like, I could not miss that show. And what this Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix has done, uh, because all of the original seasons are on Tubi, uh, I have gone back and started to watch uh, some of the different episodes. I did not go back to, like, season one and start at season one, but... Uh, I had Googled, like, what are the best original Unsolved Mysteries episodes and, like, found a list somewhere of, like, 30 different episodes and having, like, watched a few of those and whatnot. And, you know, I love it, you know? A lot of those cases, um, I know that they don't give you, like, live updates. If, like, the update w- was there when it was broadcasted and they still show that, but, you know, they have not gone back and added updates to these. But, uh, you know, it's still it's still pretty cool to watch and... Robert Stack is a fantastic host and narrator, and um, it's been pretty cool. So I might go back to the Netflix one at some point, but it hasn't been a priority uh, to me at all. You're not missing much. But I said when we talked about those six episodes. I don't like the format. And like you had said with Robert Stack, you nailed it right there. They're missing a host. They're missing a hook. And it's just it doesn't work when you don't have it. Because it, it could just be any kind of uh, true crime documentary. It's, it's just putting it under the Unsolved Mysteries banner is fine, but really it's just true crime docs that are an hour apiece. You know, it's just not worth I mean, they did the one UFO episode, which I'll give it to them. That was kind of fun. But the rest of them were just, you know, A&E specials. So, I mean, uh, Gould, did you ever check out any of the episodes or just the one? I don't remember if you said you didn't check out the other ones. I, uh, <laughs> we watched the first one, and like I said, I, I, I think I say it every time, too. I don't even remember what the fucking first episode was about, man. Uh, I never... Ray Rivera. Back. Yeah. The um, guy that was on the roof. Yeah, in Baltimore. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, no, we just... Uh, again, we never went back for it. and It wasn't anything specific. It just didn't capture me enough to, to make me want to go back. There's a ton, a ton yeah. of those shows on ID. There's, you know, it's... The information yeah. age, man. Everything's at our fingertips. Yeah. You know, like you say, they they don't do updates as far as things go for the old episodes. But the reality is, you can easily look up any of that stuff and see if there's anything new that has occurred in any of those cases. And speaking of, I'm looking literally at the Netflix, uh, like you know, screensaver scene, and up pops Cobra Kai, man. Seeing Johnny and Daniel looking eye to eye. <laughs> yeah. August nice. well, 28th, baby. I'm looking forward to revisiting seasons one and two all over. I know, again. I know, I know. I think yeah. that. Um, I think I on that DVD, weekend. I didn't open it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you got the the whole DVD set and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and it's a rare occasion. You know that I that I purchase. Uh, aside from vinyl records, it's a rare occasion that I purchase any kind of media. Um, I and I might spring for the Friday the Thirteenth box set, but. Um, you know, I will be looking forward to seeing those on Netflix and being that uh, that weekend uh, of the 28th. And the 28th is a Friday. Uh, that weekend, my wife is going to be away from Friday until either Thursday night until Sunday or Friday till Sunday. Um, I might I might be you know binge watching Cobra Kai 
first two seasons all weekend. Fucking um, party at the fucking Dean's house, everybody. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about, man? Shit. <laughs> Eat distance food and masks food. for everyone. <laughs> there you go. Masks, Social distance, people. And, and you're all good. I don't know. You know, I had one of those. Uh, sh- I can't forget. I didn't even get to tell the ghoul girl about it. I kept forgetting because last night at like, I don't know, three. 3.25 in the morning, I get a text from, like, a random phone number. Um, like, literally. And I got a, a text from this phone number back in, like, April uh, of this year. Uh, my phone mm. that I got from this, from work, so whoever had this phone number originally is constantly getting texts and messages and calls from other people. Um, most of them are looking for money. Some of them are, like sex sites and shit like that or like hookers or whoever dating sites and, and that, that oh, those are all your favorite things every, that's right, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all stuff that's right up my alley and you know, I, I don't mind it all that bad but you know that being said at 325 in the morning when I get a text that says yo I got coke it's like yes, okay, what, what's what's me? Yeah. <laughs> you know so it was like it was uh, me you know, the, the only answer I could really think of for 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 him at the time was uh, that's great I can tell because you're texting me at three thirty in the morning, but you know like like I've already told you this ain't that fucking dude's phone number so leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, what do you got? Let's <laughs> you know, make a deal well, over here. Coke, co- cocaine. <laughs> I mean, not Coke Zero. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. you met Diet Coke, Cherry Coke, fucking. Uh, you could have, yeah. Fucking, I mean, what if you want to go Coke to the Zero? soda machine at the fucking movie theater? You got like thirty-eight thousand fucking flavors of Coca-Cola that you didn't even know existed. Oh yeah, so you free, and the freestyle machines—they're fucking. I love Pepsi. that fucking shit. I love that. Yeah. Who likes Pepsi? You're a Pepsi guy, huh? No, hell no, I'm not, dude. We used to get them icy Coca-Cola <laughs> and savor that fucking know, crack of the bottle in that first sip, man. What do you mean? I'm just saying, if this guy's like, hey, I got some Coke, he should be like, he should be like oh, man, I, I got some Pepsi. I get some Pepsi. We're the fucking Pepsi challenge, man. I remember that shit in the Freehold Mall. You can get fucking tokens to play that fucking Michael Jackson Moonwalker game up in New York. Yeah, you know, there, my my, you know, I don't listen to many, but my my favorite uh, podcast is called Swindled, um, and each episode covers a different uh, situation where there was some kind of like white collar crime or big kind of con that went on involving like big business and stuff like this. It's a really really interesting and fascinating show, um, and I love it. They're currently in the third season. Um, and each episode is a different story. I love it so much that I'm actually like a like a Patreon subscriber for like five bucks a month. And as that, you get the episodes like a, a couple days early before they hit the regular streaming services. But you also get sometimes mini bonus episodes. And I got a there was a mini bonus episode uh, yesterday that came out. And like the regular episodes are like anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. The bonus episodes are always like 15 or 20 minutes, and they're much smaller cases. But apparently. Uh, back in the day in the Philippines, Pepsi ran a sweepstakes uh, where you got your bottle cap and there was like a number inside the bottle cap and there would be like, like kind of like a lottery drawing and uh, mm-hmm. whatever the number was, uh, Pepsi on they were in the Philippines, like live television every night would announce the winning number. And uh, it turns out there was some kind of glitch in the system and they announced the winning number 
and the winning number that was announced somehow got filtered in from like the junk loser numbers and like 800,000 people came forward as winners uh, because it was some oh, generic sure. loser number. And, uh, wow. you know, it was like the grand prize drawing where like each one of those 800,000 people was owed like a million bucks in Filipino money. And it became a, a huge, huge scandal in the Philippines. It was a fascinating story. Oh, no shit. That's crazy. I remember, I remember Coke did something like that where you fucking you'd buy bottles and you'd open the cap and you could win like a free Coke. But, you know, the the idea was that you could win up to, you know, $20,000 or whatever it is. It's like playing the fucking Monopoly game with McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Which also had a, a great podcast, McMillions, which is a show on HBO that they did for a couple of episodes, all about how Monopoly was just a fucking swindle fucking crime. I and mean, it's amazing what these fucking guys got away with, with these winning game pieces for like a million dollars. Like, it's just uh, crazy. But then, wasn't Pepsi also the one in America that wanted to give away a jet at one point? A like, jet? I don't saved recall. Up enough UPC? A jet. Oh, like, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't recall, I don't recall anything fucking about that, man. Right. Rex Ryan, you can take them, man. We, we we don't fucking have them anymore anyway. Oh, no, not the New York Jets, an actual fighter jet. But just oh, spray-painted, like, Pepsi. For some reason, I could have sworn that was, like, a big thing back in the 90s or early 90s, mid-90s. But, um, all right, so what else do you have, Dean? So, apparently, well, not apparently, legitimately, uh, Guillermo del Toro is directing mm-hmm. an uh, stop-motion animated musical Pinocchio, okay. uh, with an all-star cast, invo- uh, including Ron Perlman, Christoph Waltz, uh, Ewan McGregor, Kate Blanchett, uh, Jesus himself, John Turturro, and uh, this is a... Don't. Uh, <laughs> this is a Netflix feature uh, that is going to be released onto the Netflix streaming service, but it also is going to be a Netflix foray uh, to the big screen as well. Uh, mm. This is one of the productions that uh, they started principal photography last fall and have continued their work, and unlike pretty much everything else, uh, has been being worked on the whole time through COVID. Um, there's still no release date, but if you are a fan of Guillermo del Toro, and you're a fan of Pinocchio, and you're a fan of stop motion and animation and musicals, you should keep your eyes peeled uh, on the big screen and the small screen uh, for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Hmm. Well, do. Indeed. I, you I, know, think, I knew yeah. he was doing Pinocchio. I had no idea that it was going to be stop motion. I'll be honest. It kind of kind is a bit of a turnoff, to be perfectly honest, which I, I was thinking the whole time this was like a real movie. Not sa- okay. I'm a real boy. <laughs> yes, I'm not saying that he's uh, that stop motion animation isn't a real movie. Obviously, I mean it's a lot of talent, takes a lot of time. Uh, you know, I remember we tried to do like a a quick little fucking snippet of stop motion. We worked for like two hours and we, we got did? like nine seconds. No, not you, me and like the kids or whatever. We got like nine seconds of fucking film. You know, after working for two hours on these damn things, man, trying to edit it with the, you know all the video and everything. Um, came out good, but again, it's a lot of work and a lot of time that you're putting into it. Uh, but again, I, I assumed, you know, that it was going to be Galero del Toro doing something real dark with the Pinocchio story, and I don't know. Again, in this day and age right now, you know, maybe it's just the kind of story that should come out. It could still be dark, even though it's stop motion. 
You know, it's Guillermo del Toro. He's, he's capable of anything. I just, I, I think even more so I'm impressed that it's going to be stop motion. Just to see what he can get away with. And, and, you know, and it's a musical too. I mean, I fucking hate musicals, but I'm only giving it a shot just because I want to see if it's like uh, the goal says, if it's dark enough. I'm hoping they go real fucking dark. Because, I mean, even the original cartoon, when he goes to the land of misfits toys, that's pretty fucked up for a, a kid's cartoon, even back then. That was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, man. Oh, what, what the fuck did he go to? Because didn't Pinocchio go to like a, like a, a yeah, land? Yeah, he went, dude, they, went to a, they, went to they went to an island or something. I'm just fucking with Yeah, you. and he got turned into like a half donkey and shit. I remember that, you know, when I was a kid. I was like, that's creepy. <laughs> you know, he's getting yeah, fucked up. Yeah, that so. shit was weird back then, though, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they they played it for fun. But, yeah, when you read the actual stories, it's fucked up. Like how... uh the stepsisters in Cinderella cut off their feet so they could fit them into the shoe just the right way. Like, you know, I was like, oh, man, I love that adaptation. I'm a real boy. You sure are, Pinocchio. What else is next? I thought you were, I thought you were Groot. <laughs> I am Groot. Uh, back oh, in. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for that at some point. <laughs> back in. I, didn't, I haven't gotten to the Guardians of the Galaxy people yet, but I will. Um, we could talk about that in like 2023 when I get to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, uh, back in 2015, uh, you know, production company Morgan Creek announced that on Twitter, for the record, we will never remake The Exorcist. But lo and mm-hmm. behold, Morgan Creek uh, has announced that they are planning to reboot. The Exorcist, with a planned theatrical release for sometime in 2021. Uh, that was like a little piece of information that slipped out at the end of an article talking about something else they were working on, and I have not been able to find any other information uh, surrounding that, uh, but whether that means, like, reboot means we're, they're going to somehow once again tell the story of Reagan McNeil, uh, if it's something that's just going to take place in the world that which The Exorcist uh, takes place in. Um, but this is one that I will say that is just, it just shouldn't, shouldn't be going on. Shouldn't be happening. Nope. In my opinion. Nope. Uh, nope. The, it, the Exorcist, the original, uh, you know, if you were going to select... Um, you know, four films to make like a Mount Rushmore of horror movies uh, is one, in my opinion, that w- doesn't even involve any kind of debate uh, to be up there. Um, it's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, it's had some sequels uh, at, to varying degrees of quality and success. Uh, it's been spoofed in the very funny uh, Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen and Linda Blair. Um, there was the TV show based in, in that world. But also over the last 10 to 15 years or so, there's been a whole assortment of horror films involving exorcisms. Uh, yeah. You know, there's been all kinds of exorcism movies. Uh, I don't feel, I don't understand, I don't see what, what needs to be rebooted here. Um, I feel that The Exorcist still holds up. Uh, I have seen it uh, probably six months to a year ago is the most recent time that I've seen it. Uh, which came on the heels of my uh, reading the book for the first time as part of my book movie reading project. And I just don't, I don't get the need for it in any way. 
And where do you stand on it, Ghoul? You know me with certain films, man. I uh, I, I kind of have to agree with the Dean on this one, man. You know, The Fucking Exorcist is a classic. It's still an effective movie. You know, you, you've got all kinds of versions of it out there that have made it clear and clean, and it looks beautiful still. Um, I think the scares are still there. I think, you know, all the connotations, I think the performances are fantastic. Everything from the music to, to, to everything about that film works. You know, it's kind of how I feel like with Jaws. There should never be a reimagining or a remake of nope. Jaws, you know. Um so, obviously, listen, studios are going to do whatever they're going to do. If they feel like there's some kind of desire out there to, to remake The Exorcist, they're going to do it. You know, will I probably see it? Yeah, I mean, I'll get around to it eventually. I'm not going to be thrilled about it, though, and I ain't going to be running to go, to go. I don't think they're going to be able to tread. I don't think they're going to pull off anything new that I haven't seen in some other kind of film already. Yeah, you know, and that's... Uh... I mean, that's what you always hope with a remake is that they'll take the original material and then they will either improve upon it or they will create something different that is kind of an homage to the original. But, yeah, like we've all said, The Exorcist, even though, yes, it's a 1973 film and it is dated in some very minor ways, it's still a timeless movie. It's still very effective in its scares and its pacing and its acting and just in the ways that it can scare you. But then again... Morgan Creek, they are going fucking hard recently with trying to put their name out there as a production company because as I said last week, they're going to be making a Stay Tuned TV series for AMC, and they're also developing a Dead Ringers TV series for Amazon, which is going to have Rachel Wise stepping in the role. Uh, yeah, of I heard Iron. about that. I heard about that. So, yeah, Morgan Creek is fucking all over the place right now. Then they're like, yeah, fuck it, Exorcist 2. That's going to get remade, even though in 2015 you know, we said we never do it, we're going to do it. It's just, and I just pulled up a list of them, and it's just like, it's not that there's been a lack of exorcism movies, man. There's been no, a ton of exorcism No, I forgot there was even exorcism an exorcism TV film. series a couple years ago. I totally forgot there about that. Yeah, that's what I had said. Yeah, man. Yep. But aside from that, like the exorcism of Emily Rose and the last exorcism and the devil inside and the possession and exorcismus and, uh, you know, the list goes on and on and up. Possessed. Um, yeah. The right. The unborn, uh, you know, there's just the list goes on. There's been a million different exorcism, exorcism themed movies. Like, why mess with the pinnacle? You know, like I can't speak for you guys because I know what I, I, if I were going to pick four films on the horror Mount Rushmore, I know what my four are, and the exorcism is one of them. You know, and I feel like if you're up there on the fucking on the board up there, one of them's been remade. Um, Two of them have been remade, actually. Uh, but I just yeah. Don't what are you? What are your four? I'm interested to hear what my, your four are because you know what they are. My horror movie. My horror movie mountain. Strictly horror. My horror movie Mount Rushmore is Psycho, The Exorcist, Jaws, and Halloween. Interesting. I mean, I can't debate those. Those are fucking excellent choices. Um, but yeah, cool. What about you? Oh, up. I'd have to fuck. I'd have to really give that some thought. I mean, obviously, again, Jaws, Jaws is a shoe in. Um, I might go Texas Chainsaw, uh, mm. Poltergeist, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, yeah. I want to give Exorcist, Exorcist could fall into that. 
I'm trying to, again, it comes to, I got to really, the reason I'd have to think about it, I got to think about it based on when I saw certain films, because my memories of them are kind of tied into certain time periods of my life. I, you know, I do want to say, because, you know, on the real Mount Rushmore, there are four presidents, but uh, lately the current president has been talking about how he should be added uh, to Mount Rushmore. Uh, So I do want to say, I want to give honorable mention uh, I want to give honorable mention for my fifth uh, Mount Rushmore for sure would be Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead. <laughs> it could just be a picture of mom with the dog hanging out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's you? a good one. What, what yeah. would you put there? Uh, yeah, Dr. Gibbles. <laughs> no, not Dr. Gibbles. Yeah. No, uh, Definitely Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, definitely Psycho, Halloween, and Night of the Living Dead. That would be my four. Okay, that's, that's another one, too. Uh, good. That's a nice one, man. I like it. I like it. Has anybody oh, here uh, oh. checked out Lucifer at all on Netflix? I no. wanted to, but uh, I heard it's a good show. Has anybody uh, here the, uh, checked out Umbrella Academy on Netflix? I have. No, I I have. Is it worth watching? I am not through with season one yet. What I've watched, I've enjoyed. The Ghoul Girl, not so much. So that kind of is what stalled it because we went back to Riverdale because we can watch that together. I need some time to myself to be able to watch Umbrella Academy. I was liking what I was seeing. Mm. And you checked out Lucifer, I'm guessing, Ghoul? No, I have not, but she's giving it, like, a try for the fourth time now. Um, oh, so, well, I don't know. I, I always see positive things about it, but, you know, she's she's trying. I, I've never given it a shot. I've had no interest. No, I didn't really get it. I, mean, I think I watched the pilot episode, and I think I gave up after that. I just I, I didn't really understand the whole thing about Satan and being sexy and all this other stuff. I was like, it's fine. So it's not for me. Yeah, I know a lot of people sexy do like it, so. Satan. I'm all about sexy. <laughs> I don't mind that. I, just, I don't know. I don't know if it's filming or whatever it is. Something about the show bothered me. But you know what? I also probably didn't give it enough time. That's that's often the case with me and fucking TV shows. Like if it doesn't catch mm-hmm. me by like the first the first two episodes, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And sometimes you know what? I got to remember. Sometimes it takes a little while to actually build up to anything. <laughs> that's true. I usually give it three, um, and then I'm out. But because uh, this past Sunday. I actually checked out the first episode of Lovecraft Country, and I can't I wait to see what the fuck's going to gonna happen. Yeah, I just, I, I ate that fucking episode up, and I can't wait for more, but I read the book first, so I already know, like, you know, kind of hopefully what's going to happen, but, yeah. If you guys have a no, chance to check out Lovecraft know. Country, I would recommend <laughs> I'm not going to give away those either. Is that on HBO <laughs> Max? Yes. Uh, it should be, yeah. No, I mean, is that where, where is that where you would watch it? Like, where where is it air? Like, is I mean, I watch it on HBO on Sunday night. Oh, so it's an HBO, it's an HBO thing, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's that's yeah, what I was asking. I meant HBO. Yeah, it's an HBO thing. program. So, okay. if you have HBO or a way to watch HBO, yeah, you can watch Lovecraft Country. Uh, okay. I have only none of one things. episode. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's one of those. Uh, it was like the first time in a while that I've watched a show where I actually have to watch it weekly now. I'm kind of mad mm-hmm. because I'm so used to fucking binging shit. Mm-hmm. And now I actually have to wait mm-hmm. until next Sunday for the next episode. And I'm kind of like, come on, 
Is it Sunday yet? I gotta watch the second episode. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. so weird. I don't know. Remember, the team mm-hmm. comes off being the only one on the show to watch The Walking Dead. So this is uh, true. That's he's, true. Is yeah, used to watch. Yeah, well, we failed. Hey, he succeeded. Look, I'm, I I I will say that I have Please continued say. to enjoy it. Um, I, you know, obviously I don't think it's to the level that it was in the first several seasons, but I've continued to find enjoyment and I do feel that lately there has been, it's been new life breathed into it. Um, I will say that I'm kind of surprised that none of you have, have, have carried on. No, no, I'm serious. Uh, I didn't even think of that when I made that statement, I was not trying to make a pun. Hmm. I, I, I just say that I am surprised that nobody has... Uh, you know, like gone back to it or stuck with it. I, it's just one of those things that I've kind of been surprised oh, yeah. about. I'll get there. Uh, it's yeah. just a matter of getting there. <laughs> yeah, same thing with me. I just I watched the exit of Andrew Lincoln. I watched the episode after it, and I just kind of was bored. So I just kind of put it on the back burner, and I watched other stuff. And I was like, I'll come back. I'm, I didn't forget about you, Walking Dead. I'll be back. I'm just taking a break. That's <laughs> just the way I looked at it. Mm-hmm. All right. That is where I am. All right. So what's Indeed. According to Keanu Reeves, The Matrix 4 uh, has resumed filming in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Berlin! But also in the world <laughs> of The Matrix, a esteemed actor Berlin. and... I will uh, absolutely never who, go to Berlin again. <laughs> why not? Never Berlin. You never saw Eurotrip? Oh, I did see Eurotrip many times. It's very funny. <laughs> there you go. Oh, cool. Is, <laughs> is, is that movie by chance? Is that on Movies Anywhere, Eurotrip? Uh, I know I own it. I don't know if it's on Movies Anywhere. I'd have to look it up. Okay. I was just asking. Uh, but the uh, esteemed actor uh, who gave life to the character of Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, has said <laughs> that he was not invited back uh, to play the character of Morpheus. He said that he wishes everybody well, uh, that he was not invited back, and that maybe, because he wasn't invited back, he is going to go and write another play. Now, that just sounds like some some comment, but uh, the article that I saw gave that statement some context, which uh, maybe means, like, in in his message that the character of Morpheus might be played by somebody else because uh, I had no idea about this until I read this article but way back in the mid-90s when uh, Die Hard 3 with a Vengeance was created, Lawrence Fishburne originally was playing the Samuel L. Jackson character of Zeus and hmm. was essentially fired and replaced and uh, when he was replaced in that film, uh, he took that downtime to write a play. Uh, so to to make a kind of weird statement like that, uh, when another character he was playing ended up being played by another character, another actor, uh, he wrote a play. Uh, and then to, to say that now, like 25 years later, uh, you know, people are thinking that maybe Morpheus is still going to be there in some capacity. Uh, but played by another actor. So uh, if you're looking forward to Lawrence Fishburne, uh, look elsewhere, uh, because he will not be in The Matrix 4. 
Maybe it'll be Samuel L. Jackson. Taking another <laughs> role away from Martin Fishburne. Maybe Morpheus will be playing Samuel L. Jackson. Yo, motherfucker, you should calm down in the Matrix. I, I mean, obviously, going by what we know of the weird, twisting storyline and world of the Matrix, perhaps we're looking at a prequel sequel. You know, where it's the fourth film, but it's going to take place prior to the events. Maybe we're going back to the first, whatever first coming, where Morpheus was freed. So he's going to be played Mm. by a younger character. And we know that there's been multiple versions of Neo throughout the history of the Matrix and whatnot, you know? Hmm. That's a good theory. We'll have to see if they go that way. Have a younger Morpheus. Um, I don't know. Kind of miss Lawrence Fishburne in it though, because he's always my I Morpheus. I love Lawrence Fishburne in everything, man. He is one yeah, of those. Yeah, even Blackish. That, that show is on. Great. He's got grubby time. He, you, you know, you're right, Gould. He's got that thing about him, you know. Well, right and also that. he's a he's a great no that that Lawrence Fishburne's presence. He's one who can you know elevate what's around him and be like. Yeah the bright spot in, in a not great film for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I have an example of this that I saw just yesterday and I had seen it before. I had seen it in the theater, uh, but years ago I had read a book called bringing down the house and the book bringing down the house was about a team of MIT genius college students and their professor uh, that figured out a blackjack system to use in casinos that involved knowing when the shuffle uh, was going to benefit and to bet big, and they took the casinos in Vegas for thousands upon thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a movie made based on that book that was called 21, uh, and Lawrence Fishburne yeah. was like the the uh, he was like the security guy who was like an old school Vegas uh, casino security guy who was being phased out for new security technology. Um, the movie is not that good, but his his performance is outstanding. And I happened to catch the last 20 minutes of this film uh, yesterday, and he has some shining moments in the last 20 minutes. So uh, I that saw that with... the film with uh, Jim Sturgis in it, right? The kid from yeah, uh, yeah, Jim Sturgis. movie that I like that you hate. Yeah, the Across, Across the, universe. the Universe. Jim Sturgis, yes. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I, I will defend that movie to the end. You know, I just, I guess, you know, it just, I, I was hoping it didn't, it didn't fit the vision of what I thought that it was going to be. So I felt disappointed. That's all. But anyway, I mean, I uh, get that. Yeah. We're not here to talk about that. And I know I went on a tangent with Lawrence Fishburne there, Uh, but continuing on in our realm of cinema, Megan the Stallion, a female rapper. Pussy. Megan the Stallion, the co-singer of the chart-topping "Wet Ass Pussy" single right now. Fucking great! Uh, I fucking love that song. It's so oh, awesome. It's so fucking good. About? Wet ass pussy. You don't know W-A-P. what I'm talking about, dude. Oh it's my god! So dude, good. I'm sending it to you, you right gotta now. Listen to it. Yeah, you gotta. Right what? Now, bro. What oh, the fuck? Oh my god, Megan dude. The Stallion. Wet ass uh, pussy she, with Cardi B. Her, her and oh. Cardi B. Dude, oh. uh, I'm sending this to you right now. <laughs> yeah, I, know. Oh, I gotta man. find the uncensored. <laughs> yeah. You gotta find the explicit what version the... because yeah. Is this a horse? Yeah. 
or is it a person? It's it's a it's a, it's black a, it's a, rapper. a female rapper. Oh, okay. So it's a person. Just talking about her wet yes, ass. Yes, she's a rapper. Okay. So because it she's a rapper, does that make make her not a person? I mean, she's a person, correct? She's a person. Yeah, yeah, she's a person. Now, what is she working on, though, Dean? So I can get what as pussy. Uh, anyway, she is writing what she is calling a mind-blowing horror script, the likes of which mm. you've never seen before. Uh, oh, so, spooky. We'll shit. scare the those shit are the, out of those you. Are the details. <laughs> those are the details. Yeah. And And there you have it. Well, she did say her favorite movie is The Evil Dead, the original one, so I was like, fucking dude, man. Yeah, okay. I'll go with her. You know, I'll, I'll see what she's got, because she loves the fucking original Evil Dead. She could have said any horror movie, and she picked The Evil Dead. So I was like, fuck yeah. Then I then I listened to Wet Ass Pussy, and I was like, you know what, I'm in. I'm, you know, I'm in. Full of Megan <laughs> the Stallion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Take me away. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> I, I am looking forward so, so much <laughs> to hearing what this will sound like, I'm sure, at it's some just, point it's, or another. It's so, it's so yeah, insane it's that like it exists, right now. but it's so great. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, no, no, literally, it's one of those, <laughs> it's funny, it, it, it's <laughs> really funny, because when you really examine uh, you know, what the, like the, what the, and again, I'm not trying to start a whole political discussion, but it's really no. funny when you examine lately what like the Republican party has truly become and who like the biggest mouths are in the Republican mm-hmm. party. And like this song has come out right now. And like the Republican party is screaming that this is like, this song is like, it's the <laughs> degradation of America. And this is America's <laughs> yeah. fall into this song is America's fall. It's one of those songs that like politicians are like screaming from their fucking pulpits about Oh, like Ben Shapiro going all day long about fucking that song, and everybody's making fun of him saying he likes dry ass pussy. Like you don't like it wet, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> you have a problem with it. It's like, oh, I just I I can go all day long about how the right's going fucking crazy over wet. But all right, so is that it, Dean? Is that all you had? No, that's not all I have. Okay, all right. Um, what else you got? So uh, just a few more things to to talk about. Sure, go ahead. Um, Rocket. Uh, so. I, I am one who has been very much looking forward to uh, Zack Snyder's Netflix film, Army of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has continued. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure that, you know, principal photography has been completed. Uh, but big news from, from that uh, film is that uh, main, one of the main actors, uh, comedian Chris D'Elia, uh has been dropped from the film... Uh, because he has just recently fielded a series of sexual harassment allegations involving underage girls. Oh, uh, boy. He, so he's been replaced by another comedian slash actor named uh, Tig Notaro. Uh, and right now they are doing like a quick round of reshoots and also having to use a combination of techniques to do those because all of the actors are now spread across out where they live because of the pandemic. So uh, they're going to be doing some stand-ins with, uh, you know, other actors uh, as stand-ins as well as some green screen work and CGI work uh, to complete these reshoots. Uh, Snyder for this zombie action film uh, that will be set in Las Vegas has been given a huge budget from Netflix, like an 80 or $90 million budget uh, for this film. He has promised 
Uh, he has been he has promised to deliver like a, a, a beyond over the top gory thrill ride. Uh, so I've been looking forward to this very much. There's still no release date for this, but uh, you know they have to go back and kind of like handle some business because of this. So uh, I saw that and uh, thought that would be interesting to talk about. Yeah. Because, because, all, yeah. That, all that money spent and have to do reshoots. That sucks. I would not want to be in his shoes right now, having to do all that shit because of what happened. Well, he's dealing yes. with and it then, with that. He's dealing with it with the Zack Snyder cut. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just recutting movies yeah. that are fucking already done. I guess that's uh, that's what Snyder's new gig is. I guess so. Yeah, he must like it. So We'll see what happens when that movie eventually uh, drops. But All right, so what else do you have, Dean? Two more quick things. Uh, I know I shared this information in our in our group chat, uh, but very excited that September 10th we'll see the Netflix release of the sequel to The Babysitter. Um, mm-hmm. I had never even uh, heard of The Babysitter until one day, quite some time ago. The ghoul was like, "Dude, I know when I tell you to watch some stuff, you like take your <laughs> sweet ass time and, and don't often get to it, but seriously." you need to go on Netflix and watch The Babysitter. And I'm pretty sure I watched it either that night or the next day, and it was just so much fun and absolutely oh, yeah. delightful. I fucking loved The Babysitter so, so, so very much. <laughs> and uh, was excited to learn that Mick G was going to be uh, returning to direct the sequel to The Babysitter, and lo and behold, uh, this thing is ready to rock, and we're going to see it on September 10th with a majority of the original cast returning even uh, many of the cast members who succumbed to death in the first film in some capacity are going to be returning for the babysitter too unfortunately uh, as of now it's been said that original babysitter Samara Weaving uh, is not uh, going to be returning for this go round Uh, but we'll be curious to uh, see how it unfolds and, and you know, as a Netflix uh, fan and subscriber I will be looking forward to this coming out, you know like it's not like there's so many other things to be doing and when there's something, a property that I enjoy that I'll get to see because we're all sitting at home in our quarantines um, you know, Babysitter 2 September 10th I'm working <laughs> well, I mean, I'm working too, actually, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm back to work I'm back to work too uh, yesterday was my first day. Uh, you know, I have been on site in person yesterday and for portion of today. Uh, when our school year starts with our students next week, uh, that will be starting virtually, but I still have had to go into my building for some meetings and whatnot. So, yes, I am working too. Uh, and, and so yeah. on. So, uh, Here they're doing one of those weird ones where, like, I don't know, the, the, the high school age kid is going to be in school for two days out of the week and then do virtual learning for three days out of the week. And uh, we're not even sure about the other one yet. At this point, we may end up just keeping the other one to, to stay in the virtual virtual land because of all the uh, the at-risk people that she comes into contact mm-hmm. with. Yeah, man. I, look, I don't know what... I, I haven't been... Um, and again, we're, we're, I don't want to spend all this time as I look at the clock talking about COVID. I have no idea what's going on in New Jersey. Uh, you know, my county in California, along with like 14 other counties, are on the state of California watch list based on cases and numbers and percentages. And until we fall below a certain threshold, all schools in our county, whether public or private, 
have to start the year on distance learning. Uh, once we fall mm-hmm. below that threshold, we will have the option to open in person. But as a private school, we can make our own decision about that. We don't have to follow any like school district guidelines. So I'm thankful for that because I know that my school, uh, our number one concern is safety, not rushing back to be back in person. So absolutely, um, you know, I want to I want to keep moving on as I look at the clock. I can feel the king of horror starting to sweat from here. Uh, what I know the paying attention. Sorry. Right. Like I've literally zoned out during that whole conversation because I don't care about school. I, I, I know. I don't want to say I know because I'm pretty certain that the king of horror, Andy G, drinks his coffee uh, the same way that I drink mine, which is black as night. Is that correct? King That's of correct. Yes, yes, it is. And king of horror, I know that you are a fan of uh, Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England. Yes, uh, not yeah. Jackie Earl Haley, but Robert England. And even though if I'm drinking horror-themed coffee, uh, I'm choosing coffee from my friends over at Deadly Grounds Coffee. But right. uh, the Dead the Dead Sled Coffee Company has announced that they have teamed up with Robert England uh, for a Robert England-themed uh, coffee. They have said that they have yeah. been working closely with Robert England. They've been sending him different copies and uh, different roasts uh, to find the proper blend for Robert England to put his name on. Uh, They're aiming to start production on this new blend uh, sooner rather than later, so you should keep your eyes peeled uh, to Dead Sled Coffee for a Robert England-themed coffee sometime in the near future. I'm already sold on it. I can't wait. Can't wait to buy myself a bag of coffee. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a daily. I have you know my one cup of coffee in the morning every day. Uh, Black is Mm -hmm. night. I probably will. I've never even heard of Dead Sled Coffee, and I probably won't order any Robert England coffee. Uh, But uh, with that being said, King of Horror, I hope that you order it and brew it, and I hope it is delicious. Um, I I will wait for your review, and if your review sells me, maybe I will consider uh, you know breaking out into the world of horror coffee once again. Uh, I attended the, the New Jersey Horror Con with the Ghoul uh, a couple of years ago and brought a, bought a dark roast uh, blend from Deadly Grounds Coffee that was brought home and uh, drank it all, and it was delicious, uh, so we shall see. And then to wrap us up, before we move on to tonight's film, uh, I do want to say that uh, entry-level horror writer for the Younger set R.L. Stein, uh, whose most famous series was his Goosebumps series, has also uh, written a series called Fear Street, uh, which at one point was uh, going to become some type of theatrical film, uh, I think for Universal, uh, but at some point I guess they dropped it, and it turns out that Netflix has acquired uh, R.L. Stein's Fear Street and the summer of 2021 Netflix has announced is going to be the summer of fear and in each month in the summer of 2021 Netflix is going to release a feature length film uh, based on R.L. Stein's Fear Street and I believe those three months are June, July and August Uh, but Netflix will be uh, announcing their summer of fear uh, a new Fear Street based horror movie each month uh, summer of 2021. So, uh, some exciting news. If you're an R.L. Stein fan and a fan of Fear Street, 
uh, and uh, those are the items uh, that I came here to talk about tonight. Okay. And there's also going to be a, uh, a re-release of four of the Spear Street novels. Uh, it's going to be an omnibus. Uh, and I think it's going to run like 30 bucks. It's going to be released later this summer. So four original R.L. Stein novels from the 80s uh, being put into one big uh, collection of Fear Street legacy novels. So that's something to look forward to as well. I know I already pre-ordered mine because I fucking loved Fear Street when I was a kid. So I can't wait to go back in and see if it's just as good as it was when I was a kid. But uh, so yes. that's something else. So R.L. Stein, yes. he's becoming like the Stephen King of like teens from the 90s. Where it's like and all of a sudden great, R.L. Stein Oh, that's right. Yeah. If, if that's, uh, you know, and he's been for a very long time, and if that's an opportunity yeah. for uh, younger audiences, that? yes, he's yeah. always been that, and, you know, continues to be a voice for a younger audience that has interest in uh, one, reading, mm-hmm. which is of the utmost mm-hmm. importance, and two, scary stories, uh, you know, a safe place for the young reader to start exploring that world. So, uh, that's mm-hmm. great. And uh, finally, just, and I know I put this on the group chat when it comes to reading, um, I got, uh, you know, it was my birthday last week, and uh, one of the things that I had gotten from someone was an Amazon gift card, and I have an Purpose. Amazon, uh, I have an Amazon <laughs> list of things that I have seen, uh, you know, that I would like to buy someday, but maybe not at that moment, yeah. and I didn't know what to buy with my Amazon gift card, so I went into my list. And one of those things that I shared with you guys earlier was the Taking Shape Developing Halloween from Script to Stream book, uh, which arrived, uh, you know, it arrived uh, today. Um, I haven't got a chance to read it in depth, um, but I read a little bit of the beginning, and it's, you know, it's great information about uh, what looks like uh, each film in the series. Uh, uh, To be honest, I was expecting... Uh, a little bit more of a comprehensive uh, telling involving different cast members and more in mm-hmm. the line of the uh, Crystal Lake Memories Friday the 13th book, which uh, is one of my favorites, uh, but I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to have this book, and I'm really looking forward to, to reading it, and because there was a whole section about the novelization uh, by Curtis Richards of the original Halloween, yeah. that lent me uh, that sent me down the internet hole today about that, and I learned that if you wanted to get an actual copy of the original Halloween novelization, you were plunking down at minimum that I can find 185 bucks uh, for an quote-unquote acceptable copy, which in the world of books means it's not a great copy whatsoever. No, uh, but I did mm-hmm. find that I did find that free for free that PDF version online, which I sent you guys via email earlier today. So I'll be looking forward to reading mm-hmm. that as well. Um, and, and yeah. whatnot. So I just wanted to share that information about thoughts. that book. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when I'm going to get to it, but I have it saved on my computer, um, and I, I'll definitely be reading it soon. I have a couple of books, um, you know, on the docket that I will get to before that, including I had got I got a used copy of The Butterfly Revolution, was the book that one of my recent picks, Summer Can't Nightmare, was based mm, on. So, yep. um, That's right. But anyway, I just wanted to talk about my new exciting Halloween book. I've got the PDF saved on my fucking uh, on my phone and my files. It's right next to my family pie Cinco de Mayo uh, porn. Hey, so. right. <laughs> uh, Save next to your what? <laughs> it's called my family pie Cinco de Mayo. Uh, it's a good my one. family pie. Yeah. My family, yeah, like like family ties, but it's my family pies. 
mm-hmm. with family Fantastic. ties. Yeah. How does that relate yep. to Cinco de Mayo? It's it's, it's a seasonal. You just have seasonal. to watch it, it, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, Dean, uh, it is your pick uh, for tonight. There uh, is a walk on one tonight. <laughs> um, it is my pick for tonight. By, yep, directed by Anna, Lily, and Rampour. So, if you want to go ahead and take us away, let's talk about this thing. So, yes. So, just some quick background. Girl walks home alone at night. Uh, you know, through all of my different uh, social media feeds and things that I follow and things that I read online, uh, it's common that some type of list uh, comes across my feed that says, you know, the top 20 horror movies from all around the world that you've never heard of um, and things <laughs> like that. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like an interesting list. I'm going to open this window and then I will have you know, add it to the other 110 open windows on my phone that I will never read. Um, but that's not true because every once in a while I will sit down and go through all of my open windows and read everything I've said that I'm going to read. And, uh, you know, I, I wanna, there are titles that sound interesting to me. I make a list. And, uh, you know, this was one of the ones on the list. Uh, here we have this Iranian, uh, you know, vampire uh, film from 2014. Uh, it was distributed uh, by Vice Films into their, you know, one of their forays into film. But it was uh, uh, presented at Sundance Film Festival, and um, you know, here in uh, you know, Bad City uh, in Iran, we have um, you know this dude who's trying to make a living and caring for his drug addict dad and encounters this um, strange female on the streets, and uh, there's vampire activity and uh, double-crossing and drug deals and uh, all kinds of stuff. So we have this strange kind of vampire horror movie from Iran, of all places, called The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And yes, as our very own King of Horror said, directed by Anna Lily Amirpour. So... You know, this was what I had mm-hmm. chose. Uh, you know, I was unable to attend last week's episode, uh, and I had been looking forward to seeing this film and, uh, you know, chose one for my pick uh, this week. I uh, chose a film I had not seen before. My several picks past have all been films I had already seen. So mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to seeing this, and uh, I'm curious to hear everyone's thoughts about A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. All right. Uh, Ghoul, what do you think about uh, the film, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night? Um, you know what? I'll be perfectly honest. While I don't feel like this movie... <sighs> okay, I don't want to say it wasn't original. It was unique in some of its devices. But for the most part, this really reminded me of Let the Right One In. Um, or mm-hmm. Let Me In, the American version of the yeah. film. Good call. That being said... I loved this movie. I thought, you know, there were a lot of really cool things that went on in the way the story was told. I liked the black and white dynamic. Um, I liked the characters and their depictions. And I liked the way she created the setting to, to make it look the way it did. You know, it felt very much like a Western 
in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, again, as we get deeper into the film, we'll find out that that was actually the intention. Um, but, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed the film. So thank you, Dean. Good pick, man. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, and I had seen this when it had first come out um, back in 2014 and actually rented it. Uh, just because it was something new, it was something different, you know, and, and a lot of people, like the, uh, the dean was saying, even back then were talking about it, mainly because it was one of the first uh, productions from SpectreVision, which is Brandon Noah and Elijah Wood, the actors' uh, production company. So a lot of that was a lot of buzz because of that as well. Um, the fact that it was Iranian, I mean, it was shot in California. It wasn't shot in Iran, but it, it's it passable. It was Iran. shot in in Taft, California, yeah. uh, which mm-hmm. is about four-ish hours south of me. Uh, not not 2020, but February 2019, uh, we took a road trip down to both uh, San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara, and Taft is actually kind of halfway in between uh, those two towns, but, but a little bit west. So we didn't pass through it or anything, nor at the hmm. time would I have known uh, that this film was made there, but it, this was made in California, but it wasn't like a like filmed on like a lot in in like Hollywood or something. This was like on location in some small mountain town in California, mm. and uh, you know watching town. <laughs> not not knowing that when watching the <laughs> film, I didn't know this was filmed in California until afterwards. Uh, you yeah. know through use, I think one, I think the black and white uh, approach. Uh, played part of that, but also the, just the kind of like minimal, minimalism of not showing much uh, of the surroundings or busier areas of where they lived. Uh, everything was just kind of, you know, just kind of very sparse and, and uh, you know, kind of cold and empty, uh, which gave me a feel of maybe, you know, what the back streets of Iran might be like, of, you know, as yeah. being a place that I've never been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they did a very good job at covering it up. Uh, like I said, we agree all with the black and white. Um, and Western, uh, definitely to the ghoul's point, uh, I definitely got that. But the thing is that I don't know if you guys are very familiar with the works of David Lynch as a director, but to me it just felt very David Lynch in a lot of ways, and not just because of the black and white, but because of the soundtrack, uh, because of the randomness of certain scenes, like the rockabilly with the balloon. Um, <clears throat> things like that. You know, it just it took as me you back say to that. Lynch. As you say that, there was something. Again, I don't know enough of David Lynch's catalog to make those kinds of statements. But a, yeah. a film that I haven't seen in a that I've only seen one time, and I haven't seen it in a in a very 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 long time. And I know that I saw it with the ghoul in the ghoul's home. Uh, there were, there were, I'm watching this in a film that I thought back to, especially with uh, some of the shots of characters kind of just standing still and camera panning back and forth to characters' faces and facial expressions as they kind of look at each other, uh, was that, that film, uh, I believe it was a Darren Aronofsky film, Pi. Yep, that's a good example. I actually watched that a couple months ago. It's a great one. We watched that. Say that again, Ghoul. We watched that at my house. 
Yeah, we watched that at your house on a DVD that I owned, and uh, even and that was not one of those like weird late like stoner horror movie nights. Like Nicole was there for that one. Like I think we all like Kelly too. I think we like all watched it together one night. <laughs> well, we definitely I watched it at your remember. house in in in, in Alvin. Yeah, for sure. Don't remember <laughs> it at all, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, but I, I do like that wop. Uh, <laughs> that wet ass pussy. Um, but I do like the fact that there's a lot of different things going on in this film, uh, including, uh, aside from vampirism, uh, which we'll get to, is also uh, heroin addiction, you know, and, and, and even transposing that with blood. Uh, having Hussein, the father of Arash, be addicted to it and owing to this weird pimp that has a briefcase full of hacky sacks and cash and drugs, which, you know, it's good. He definitely you gotta get your sure to have his hacky sack. <laughs> All my favorite things, man. And he's also a pimp, you know, and, and he has his prostitute that at 30 is just looking at long in the tooth at 30. But um, the girl herself, uh, Sheila Van plays her. Um, again, I got very, very cool Asia Argento vibes from her, just in the way she presented herself and the way that she acted. But it was just brilliant in the way that she moved. Because it was just the way that she carried herself when she was wearing the shader at night. Uh, just, it was a perfect kind of, of way to present her as a vampire. You know, rather than have the traditional cape, you have her wearing the shader. I thought it was a perfect choice. Yeah, no, definitely. And it, uh, and it fit, you know. I think uh, for me, I got more of a, uh, that 80s Winona vibe, uh, Winona Ryder vibe mm. off of her. That's um, a good one, too. I would say that. Know, that, that That's that, a good that one. That is a good one. Of her. Uh, I too, like, I, like we were talking about like the whole setting and everything and like how desolate everything felt. Um, look, you know, the, the reality is, is here in, in Western civilization, you know, a lot of things that, that we know of the Middle East culture, we know of through the media, through the news, through pictures and multiple wars that we have fought over there throughout the course of yeah. our lifetimes too, at this point, um, so, yeah, I think in our heads, you know, we always have, like, this, this imagery of these places that are, like, bombed out or desolate or, you know, you have these, like, few little towns. We're only also, people like, living in them and shit. No, or visions, another vision, too, is of them being just, like, crammed, packed with people walking everywhere and riding mm-hmm. their scooters yeah. and screaming yeah. and just, like, busy but, marketplaces with vendors screaming at their customers walking by, hawking their wares. Mm-hmm. Um, but dusty, dirty you know, we've all seen it represented. Yeah, yeah, man, we've seen it represented a million different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I think she does a good job of of creating that that similar look to it. I didn't look any of this. Uh, I obviously didn't look anything of the movie up. I had no idea it was a vampire movie. Nothing. I went into this one hundred percent. I didn't even read the synopsis. So, you know, mm-hmm. obviously I see them speaking in Persian. I'm immediately thinking, okay, so they, ha- they are filming this in Iran. You know, so let's see what kind of boundaries that they were able to push knowing, you know, some of the things there. I, I was lucky enough I worked. I know, obviously, look, it's a totally different country. But one of the guys that I had worked with for a while uh, just last year was uh, he was Iraqi. Um, 
you know, obviously he was born here in America, but his family is from Iraq, and he's visited there many times. And, you know, some of the things that he would talk about and, and some of the, the images and the pictures he would show me, it's, it's amazing how our perception is of places like that versus what those places are really like. And then also it's even more amazing when you see, unfortunately, where and what those places looked like in the 70s where they looked very similar to what we have here now as compared to what they look like now. Um, that, that really is just heartbreaking in a lot of ways. Um, but again, with that desolation, with everything going on here, I just loved how weird some of these characters were right off the bat. Yeah. You know, like Saeed was just so bizarre. And, and you know, like this, this for me is setting the tone for like what this film is going to be like. Like I'm expecting now almost like a, uh, a cartoon-esque like caricature of, of these characters. Yeah. The and it does a great job of, uh, it does a great job of, of presenting everything, but also moving at a good pace. You know, it doesn't try to linger too long at first. Like it introduces you to uh, Saeed, the pimp and drug dealer, Hossein, uh, Arash. Um, and then you're getting introduced almost right away to the girl, you know, w- with her shade or meeting Saeed and Saeed, you know, bringing her back to the apartment because he thinks he's going to fucking score because he's got coke and he's got money and, you know, when they're attracted to him. But instead, he just attracted the wrong woman because she is a vampire. What were you going to say, Go. I was just, like, wondering not to... Oh, okay. I I thought you you were saying something. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that, that first reveal of her fangs and, and taking off his finger. Um, I almost wanted her to feed it to him. You know, I was waiting for it. Didn't quite happen that way. <laughs> would have been great if she just shoved that finger down his throat as she was biting him. You know, <laughs> just that extra fuck you to say. Yeah, no, again, yeah, I, I mean, I think yeah. what we're seeing is we're seeing. And like I how how I'm looking at it, how I'm interpreting it. You know, I got a, I got a couple minutes into the film, and then I decided to have a little wedding cake. Um, yeah. To, mm-hmm. to you know, because I love it, and it and it tastes good. It makes all movies better. Um, yes, it does. So, so that being said, I started getting real analytic about the film, and like I said, thinking that <laughs> this is all in Iran and everything. I'm like, okay, so what's our commentary here? What are we talking about? And as I'm seeing it, I'm thinking about this this country as you know, a Islamic run region in which, you know, obviously women have to be covered whenever they're in public. Um, you know, things like, like drugs and money and stuff like that, it's, it's frowned upon. You're not supposed to put any of that in your body because it's an offense to God. You're never supposed to look at money in a way like that as anything other than what you need to feed your family and to help your community. So seeing a character like Saeed, he's like a, he's a sinner. He's like the ultimate of sinners. And yeah. again, looking mm-hmm. at the film from being that it's this, this perspective that they're giving us, it's showing us how the Western civilization, how we here, us Americans and how the Europeans have affected the Middle East. You know, we're going to see later in her room pictures of like Infected. Madonna and other Western, yeah. Western symbols, Michael uh, Jackson, popularity yeah. and stuff. Michael Jackson, you know, some of the music she listens to. Um, all of these are things that, like, again, not knowing, I'm thinking all of this is in Iran, so I'm thinking that this is all going to play out in some way. But you know, I do like what she was doing with this, and I like how she was painting this picture. So, 
but yeah, I, I saw like what was almost like I said, an American infection in a way, you know, affecting this, yeah. this culture yeah. completely. And, and he as the sinner needs to now be killed. I'm thinking that this is like your, your typical anti-hero type of vampire character. Well, the teeth popped out and like literally I texted my buddy and I was like, Oh shit. I go, she's a fucking vampire. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and neither did Saeed. <laughs> no, he didn't see it coming, but he's a sinner. Like you had said, the plus he had taken the car from Arash who had worked uh, 2000 some odd days for, and Saeed took it as payment for what Hossein owed him. You know, he's like, listen, your dad, your dad's never going to pay this off. So I'm just going to take your fucking car and then be done with it. And you're cool. We're straight. So we would uh, Arash to steal earrings from Shada. You know, these diamond earrings, he's going to give it to Saeed and somehow that's going to square it up so he can take his car back. Um, you know, but luckily the girl took care of it for him. You know, it's, it's almost like she's an avenging angel in a way without even knowing. Because now Arash is able to get the drugs and the money and the car because Saeed's dead. So now he's going to be able to make extra money dealing drugs. He's got his car and he's got everything that he could possibly need, except he doesn't really know what fucking Dracula looks like, which I fucking loved in a way. The fact when he goes to the Halloween party that Shade is holding, and he's supposed to be Dracula, but really he's just wearing eyeliner and he has a, a top on his cape. I just, I adore his costume. Like, this is what he thinks Dracula looks like. Minimal. He's not even wearing fangs. He's not even wearing fangs. I just, I loved it. Like, that, oh, that was his interpretation. In your mouth. But he's well, maybe they don't have that shit in desolate Iran where they live. He was in a pair of fangs. The other guy shoves yeah. fangs in his mouth. But he just he yeah. didn't want to wear them because it's hard to talk with them in your mouth. How are you going to make your dealings? It's really trying to say, hello, I am Sean Blackley with you laugh But it's also one of those things where, like, if you've ever been to a Halloween costume party and you have that one guy that has to constantly fucking explain what he is, like, by the way, guys, this is what I am. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Great, got it. Moving on. I don't know. I was a polar bear. <laughs> that was molested. Yeah. I was molested. I was molested by the Flash. You were. You totally were. Um, but I, I, I absolutely that's not, was. <laughs> I have photographs to prove it. Um, but what I was going to say, though, uh, you know, years ago, I think back in, in 2011, uh, we went to uh, Brussels in Belgium, and... Uh, one of the nights that, that we were <laughs> muscles in Brussels. Did you see a uh, we what's that? No, I don't even know if it was there at that time. Uh, was it there then? If, if, uh, no, the answer is no. <laughs> so uh, whether it was there or not, the answer's <laughs> no. but anyway, uh, what, you know, one night that we were there, we went we went to like one of the you know in in Brussels they have all kinds of you know, those crazy Euro nightclubs that, like, open yeah. at 11 and go till sunrise. And, like, we were like, all right, well, uh, you know, as we plan our trip, we're like, well, this night we're, we'll go out and party and we'll go to, like, a, you know, fucking crazy-ass club and, and whatnot. And we did. And I went into the bathroom. And I'm, you know, stupid American, of course, but, uh, you know, went into the bathroom and, uh, you know, waiting in line to go to the bathroom and, like, some dude starts like whispering in my ear like I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about because I'm a fucking American uh-huh. and I'm like had been drinking and, and whatnot and I'm like oh like 
you know, like getting fucking hit on. Like, what, what's happening right now? And then, like, in, I realized in hindsight that uh, he was trying to, like, fucking sell me drugs, but I had no idea what he was fucking talking about. Missed opportunity, if you will. Well, that or he wanted to suck your dick. It was one or the other. Yeah, I know. So in a way, way, it's a missed opportunity. When I I analyzed, like, the tone and the approach and all of that, like, yes, I realized fully that 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 is what could have been happened. But when I really tried to analyze, like, the, the, the tone of voice, the, the whole situation, like, my analysis was that it was, like, attempting to, like, sell X or something like that. Mm. Oh. That's what they're doing. I mean, it was one of those big, it was one of those big oonch, oonch Euro clubs with lasers and lights and smoke and <laughs> really fucking intense night, you know? So. You like dance, yes? No, that's you know Shada giving uh, the ecstasy to to her rash, which is what leads him to be fucking wandering the streets, and that's where he man, meets the girl. You never, who, you never dip into no. your own stash, man. Nope. Especially not when you're there for business purposes. You know he is there to to be selling those drugs, man, and do do your <laughs> thing. You know. Well, let me you tell you something, dip. cool. Let me let me tell you something. All right. I broke like on summer fish tour, summer fish tour 2014. I will have you know that I broke that cardinal fucking rule like to the ends of the earth. Oh, damn. I could tell you in the mid 90s that there were plenty of times that I broke that cardinal rule myself. But, you know, for the most part, I think I just ate it anyway. So it didn't make a difference. Um, But all of that being said, you know, the fact that he takes it, again, is, is once again him falling into the trappings of the, the, the same the same sin. And, yes, you know, the hot whap. chick he's coveting, you know, he whap. wants yeah. her. Yes, the whap. He wants that whap, you know, whatever that, that is. That wet-ass pussy. pussy. Wet-ass wet pussy. Wet-ass pussy. pussy. Is there bap? Is there whap? <laughs> is there tap? It's all about the whap. Chinese-ass pussy. <laughs> What's an ass pussy, anyway? Is that like like your it's butt? wet-ass pussy. statement. Just means that it's like, so know, fucking wet. God, it's so wet that it's an ass pussy. Like, does it smell That's like right. ass or does it it's smell like gonna, pussy? Your dip's going to slip right down that crack right into the pussy. That's how wet it is. Can whoop, like wow, a fucking damn. water flow. That, that, yep. that, that's, that's it. How, like, that's like how like wet it is. They don't mess around. But yeah, uh, I he like does dip in there with his own supply. That, that was me. Um, anyway. But it does lead him to get the girl. Like we had said. So, so yeah. yes, it does who lead him to, skateboards to the girl and, who's wandering. Yeah, but she skateboards and she, you know, she kind of, you know, gets involved with the little kid where she's like, are you a bad kid? Are you a bad kid? And then she fucking whips out her fangs like, I'll fucking swallow your soul. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I dig that shit. <laughs> you know, scaring the shit out of this okay. little kid so he doesn't fucking act up. Um, but when he meet, when well, she meets her, a rash, yeah, good. I'm sorry. We're seeing it happen, though, we don't know that for a fact. You know what I mean? That's what ultimately what happens, you know? At, at this point, I don't know whether or not she's going to kill this kid or whether no, she not. is just simply scaring. Well, again, yeah. I don't think she, obviously, after the conversation, I realize that she is just scaring him off. But what it's showing us is, is that this is, you know, this is not a, she's not just simply a violent person who's in town to right. eat. You know, she is a mm-hmm. part of this, this community, and she, she is not just wanton evil for the sake of doing that. You know, she, she obviously no, targeted yeah, Saeed for the purposes that she targeted him for. Yeah, she, she likes to mess around with people. 
Because we see with the kid, even though she's, you know, she says the violent things towards him, but she also does it with uh, Hossein after, you know, he's, he's coming down from his, his heroin withdrawal. And she copies his movements. You know, he whips his arm up, she whips his, her arm up, and then she follows him until he fucking runs I think away. She was like, that's him. like, I don't think so. I think she was fucking with him. I don't know. Like, she, she, cause she could have taken him if she wanted to. Like, you know, it just, because when he ran, she could have gone after him. It's not like, you know, yeah, she had plenty of chances. I think, too, sometimes, you know, you don't want to, you know. I think the idea is if she was hungry enough, had she not just recently fed, she probably would have simply killed him. I think part of her whole mimicry that we see, because we see her do it again later, too, I yeah. think that's mm-hmm. her way of shadowing people, and that's her way mm-hmm. of not okay. being seen, you know? Like, the idea is to, to mimic those people, and if they don't see her, it's because it's like she's just their shadow, you know, kind of just following along until that shadow turns around and fucking sucks your blood out of your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with Arash, she has this weird... Um, she develops, I should say this uh, romantic uh, involvement with him that's not physical in any way, shape, or form. Um, when he tries to make it physical, so at least romantically with a kick, anyway, entangled. she says that, you know, she's done bad things, you know, and, and he shouldn't be getting involved with her, even it though he just fears three years. Get the fuck out of here, like, you know. So it's bad city. You don't belong here. You know, you're better off. And then she also develops a relationship with Addie, the prostitute that was working for Saeed, um, and, and kind of helping her in a lot of ways you know, especially with, with Hossein at a certain point. Um, so I thought they had a, a good relationship, but I think Addie prefers to be alone, you know, and, and just doesn't have a way out. But you would think with oh. Saeed dead, she could just move on. But for some reason, she kind of sticks around in Bad City and, and just, you know, remains doing what she's doing. Well, she's still a hooker, no matter what. You know, she's still a sex worker. It's what Without she a pimp. At this point. She does, she's freelance yeah, now. She's a, a hooker. So, so now... Now you can hope that she's freelance, but she might not know how to score without mm. that person at this point. You know, there's, there's a, it's an entirely lifestyle change. It's an entire lifestyle change at this point. But the interesting thing I found is when she first runs into Arash in, you mm-hmm. know, in the streets there, and he's high as a kite on the ecstasy, and he's, he's got that trip conversation type thing going on, man. One that, you know, I, I've been through many a time. I know the Dean has been through many a time. You kind of have these wandering thoughts as your synapses are firing and all kinds of things. And you're making connections to shit that you don't normally make connections to. You know, it's funny that he introduces himself as Dracula. And for a second, you know, for me in this film, is this movie going to be a film in which she doesn't know that he's not really a vampire yet. You know, like one of those, because like maybe because of the way he was talking about things, maybe she felt like he was a vampire like her. He was a kindred spirit <laughs> yeah. like her. And yeah. she thought she might be the only one. You know, we don't, the one thing we don't get in this film that we get in a lot of other vampire films is transmission. We don't understand yeah. how vampirism yep. works in this world. You know, we don't know if she's the only vampire. Is she even a vampire? You know, we call it a vampire because it's just the most familiar thing we can associate to what she does, but we don't see anybody rise up from the dead. We don't see any of them come back, so, you know, we don't... I, I know that when I came away at the end of the film, I'm not exactly sure how vampirism works in this particular world. No. They don't, they don't explain it. And I like the fact that they left it ambiguous. 
mm-hmm. you don't you're not really given an explanation. It, it it works. Like I don't need I don't need a backstory on how on how the girl became a vampire. You know, I like the fact that she's alone. I like the fact that she has no equals. She doesn't have a gang. You know, she's a, a female by herself who, again, like the title suggests, she walks home alone at night because she can't, because you know, she has no fear because she's a vampire and can kill. And it's just, mm-hmm. I like the fact that they're showing you a female for once, not a male vampire. This is a woman who might not be completely in control and she might be alone, but it's still a vampire, you know, and it's a female. So I gave it that much credit, you know. Well, I mean, there was that other film with, uh, was it Byzantine, I think it was, or Byzantine, uh, Cersei Ronan or whatever her name is, and the chick from uh, Clash of the Titans, uh, Gemma, hmm. Gemma Arterton. Uh, okay. I'll get, I'll get back to that. that. That's another one. That's another okay. one that's a, pick uh, a straight-up female vampire flick, and real interesting, too, so... Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, you have to send me some info on that. I'm going to check that out. But um, we also, because uh, we also, like I said, we've been dealing with heroin addiction in this movie as well with Hossein, and Arash has had enough of Hossein's shit, so he gives him the cat that Arash found in the beginning. He gives him some money to get the fuck out of here, you know, with your fucking heroin addiction. I don't, I can't help you Byzantium. anymore. Byzantium. Sorry, that's the name of it. Byzantium. Okay, all right. I'm going to have to check that out because, like I said, I, I, I do like uh, Sarchi Ronan. I'm a huge fan of her, so I'll have to check that out. Um, but, yeah, uh, Hossein goes to Addie, of course, who is his prostitute of choice, and, and she's not really having any of it, but uh, she gives him a little dance. And then for her efforts, he, she gets shot up with heroin, which I was like, ah, that, that just made me uncomfortable. Like, she just doesn't want anything to do with it, and he just jams her with that needle. Like, it, it's not a rape scene by any means, luckily, but it's just it's it's sad. Oh, it is. It's bird, yeah. No, 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 no. That is absolutely a rape scene in a lot of ways, you know? It's not a sexual rape, but well, it's, that's a, rape what I meant. Yeah, it's not will, a sexual rape. You know, like she, yeah. she, she yeah. does not want it at that point, but at the same time, she's not putting up much of a fight. But no, that's when no. you got to take into account the cultural appropriations. You know, and yeah, for their yeah. culture, women are typically looked at as the lower, as the lower sect, as the lower people. They're there simply to please and serve the men. So it, right. it didn't strike me as weird that she didn't fight back. I didn't even really take it as in she didn't fight back because she really wanted the, the heroin or anything like that either. I mean, obviously, look, we, we could understand through the characters' conversations that she has used with him before. Um, yeah, yep. But, you know, again, with her just adamantly saying no, but really not fighting, it just, you know, again, it's that. And like I say, too, though, that's our Western idea of what that culture is, you know? Right. And it was just, it was uncomfortable in the way, just because uh, it's not a sexual rape, like you had said, but it's just the way that she was acting, like she was just very tired and just didn't want him to be there, obviously. But he had all that money, so you got to figure he probably threw a bankroll at her you know, just so she could dance and, and do that. But, you know, you, you want more for Addie because I liked her. You know, I felt like, you know, she could, you know, through a better situation, not in bad city, you know, Addie might have had a chance. But uh, it, it's the girl that ultimately comes in to save her in a way, you know, to, to rescue her from, from Hossein, even though the, the, the attack that happened with the needle, you know, she still gets the upper hand and kills Hossein by draining him of blood, which was a cool scene. 
because she goes feral on his ass. You know, he wraps her legs around him, and it's it's, it's fantastic. Definitely gonna feed. That is for shit sure, man. Um, but again, you know, we all <laughs> sure know that that is that is Arash's father. Something that she yes, doesn't know. No, she doesn't. Or at least I assume she, says, she no. doesn't know. No, and it's it's. That is a, another weird thing that I wanted to talk about that, you know, as, as we close, um, is that uh, Harash is done with Bad City, you know, and he's just like, he goes to the girl's house and says, we got to get the fuck out of here. You know, let's just pack our bags and go. And I like the fact that she doesn't quite want to go. Like, you know, she, she, she's not like, yes, let's go. I'll pack all my shit and we'll be gone. Like, no, she, she hesitates and she takes her time, you know, and it's not a big rush. Whether or not that's for the reveal of the cat, so that Arash knows that she had something to do with her dad's death or not, I don't think so. But I just like the fact that she's not immediately following him. And like we just talked about with women in Iran, you know, have to be subservient to men. She's not. Which is another thing I appreciate. No, I mean, she's definitely the symbol of independence. I mean, it's right there in the yep. title. She walks alone. You know, she doesn't need a man to protect her in any way. Just the opposite. She is the attacker. Um, but, yeah, you know, she, I, I, think it's, I think that's a, a 50-50 mix on that, though. I think part of it is to slow it down for the reveal. The other part being is that, you know, like this guy just came bursting in. He's all ready to go. It kind of came out of nowhere. She's not understanding the situation, and she's taking her time to kind of grasp a little bit of what's going on. For sure, especially yeah. because, you know, she exists as this kind of loner stalking the streets at night for her prey. But obviously through this whole story, there's been something, there's been some kind of connection, obviously, uh, with, um, what's his fucking name? Saeed? Arash. And, uh, Arash. Oh, no, Saeed was the drug dealer. My bad. Yeah, uh, but there's been this connection, you know, but she traditionally, obviously, because of her, you know, predilection for biting people's necks and drinking their blood, uh, you mm-hmm. know, lives a life of solitude. So there's also big decisions to be made on her end. Uh, she obviously has found a comfortable breeding, not breeding, but a comfortable hunting ground. Uh, and now to, like, go somewhere else with another, with a human uh, you know, not knowing where you're going, these are big decisions to, to consider. Yes, and again, yeah. though, not knowing her backstory, we don't know how often does she move around. How often does right. she have a human companion similar to like, uh, you know, like, like the characters that we see and let the, one, the right one in and stuff like that. A Redfield, right. so to speak, yeah. you know? Um, you know, which... You know, the other thing that I'm wondering, too, and I kept feeling like, all right, if she perceives herself as darkness, which I do mm-hmm. think she does because she lives in the night, um, the scenes that we kept seeing of Arash walking into, the, the tu- like into that tunnel, into that hallway, coming out of the light and coming to darkness... You know, it could be perceived as two ways. She kept having that as a dream. Now, was that a premonition that he was going to eventually come and kill her? Um, yeah. Or, you know, yeah. is, that a, is that her seeing, you know, his step out of the light and into the darkness to join her and to be her companion, you know? But now the big question is, is does she turn him? 
you know, this way that they can mm-hmm. be together forever? Or is it going to be one of those where, you know, like we saw in Let the Right One In, where the human companion stays until they're no longer capable of being of service and said vampire needs to find another, you know, suitable replacement? Yes. I mean, it's interesting that you brought that up because of the fact that I don't necessarily know if she would uh, turn him to make him a vampire as well, because I don't think that she really necessarily needs him, you know, and it's also another one of those things again, where, you know, you can't even really say it's a romantic relationship either because they don't have any intimacy throughout the entire film, you know, and it's pushed back by her, you know, I'm bad, you know, you're supposed, you're not supposed to be around me. You know, she avoids biting his neck when she had a perfect opportunity to do so when she first invited him, her, uh, him rather into her, her apartment. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird uh, thing. Yeah. I think the fact that she doesn't bite his neck there and, you know, there's moments like the ear piercing and stuff like that. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. are, those are our moments of intimacy between the two of them. You know, those are okay. intimate yeah. moments. That is her ver- version of intimacy. You know, I see this as a romantic film. This is going to, these are two people that yes. are coming yeah. together. Um, mm-hmm. What I always find interesting, and you know, not I know it's the Dean's favorite movie series, the uh, the Twilight what? series. What's always yeah, funny? What's always funny? Vampire boy. dynamic of the vampire being in love with the human, but the human wanting yeah. to be turned into a vampire to be with the vampire. You know, everything that the vampire loves about the human has to do with their humanity with the fact that they are alive and that they're living and they're breathing and they're warm and they have all of these, these feelings and a soul and all these emotions. The second you take that away from them and turn them into you, now there's nothing there to love anymore. And I think the perfect example yeah. of that is when you look at Interview with the Vampire, you know, the, the relationship between Lestat and Louis and how that mm-hmm. develops and becomes bitter and it becomes, you know, two guys that just, you know, at one point were very close and then, you know, now it's like they, they couldn't even fucking bear to even exist around each other anymore. Well, then you have Kirsten Dunst who shows up as the fucking bitchiest goddamn vampire ever. Well, yeah, she's a child vampire. That's, that's the problem. We see what <laughs> yeah, child vampires do in Twilight, too, okay? They're fucked up in that realm as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. She could have been that. She could have been that character. It just causes pain mm-hmm. for people. But no, she just, you know, she got the bad end of the stick in that movie, too, though. That uh, Kirsten Dunst's character. That was you know, fucked but, um, up, man, that well scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was just no way around that. That was just, it was terrible. Um, but yeah, as, as uh, Arash and uh, the girl drive off together, I do like the fact that they added that one moment where he pulls over to the side of the road and he's just like, fuck. Like, you know what? what you know, obviously she had something to do with my dad's death. Uh, I kind of love her. What the fuck am I going to do? Like, it, you know what? Fuck it. Get back in the car and drive off into the sunset. That's what we need to do. You know, I mean, I just, I loved it because, you know, it could have ended that way where he's like, I know what you are, vampire. And staked her, you know, which should have been fucking terrible. But no, he decides that this is what he, this is where he wants to be with his girl. You know, she's got to hold on. Wow. Whether it's well, intentional, like Jack the Road put you under. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the thing, too, because realistically, his father's gone, <laughs> so that's you know, a connection piece that's, that's completely gone. If he kills her, sure, he has 
whatever money or drugs that he still has left over, but he'd have to stay yes. in town or at least somewhere close by to keep the connections that he has. Um, so he'll have that and the cat, which he didn't even want the cat. He told his dad to take it because the cat reminded the father <laughs> yeah. of the mother anyway, who, you know, from that short little outburst you get, you know, the mom passed away, and that's what sent the father spiraling down this, this entire pathway that he goes. Um, but, yeah, I do love this, this like, little inner, inner battle that he has. He's trying to figure it out, and she's just watching him calmly. You know, I think she knows that no matter what, she can obviously take him, so I don't think she ever feels like there's any threat there. But I do right. get from her, her facial cues, I do feel like you get a twinge of sorrow if he does make the wrong decision to try to either kill her or end it or whatever it is. I think she would actually feel bad about having to kill him because that's the only decision she can really make in that situation. She would have to take him down. No, plus, she's not inherently bad. And that's typically who she hunts, are, are bad uh, people. And Arash, aside from stealing the earrings, he really hasn't done anything terrible. So I think it would be very Steal. difficult for the girl to kill him. In a Mus- and again, though, in a Muslim society, <laughs> theft would be loss of hands, you know, that kind yeah. of deal. Yep. So, and that's what I thought they were really going with with the film. Like, when we saw him steal the earrings earlier, I assumed that was going to come back. That character doesn't even come back, man, which is a shame, because she was really good looking. Um, Shada was so hot. I, that actress who plays Shada? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I and the, uh, I the director played her friend, the, uh, the one that wore oh, the skeleton okay. makeup. That was uh, oh, Willie okay. uh, and Alan Poor. So that was her oh, little cameo. Cool. And she did all the skateboarding uh, scenes th- because she's a skater. I do know that there's a, uh, a prequel comic that gives you Is the there? backstory okay. of the girl. Um, I don't. It's not through any of like the major comic book companies. It's like a graphic novel type of deal. So if I can find it in any way, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll definitely like to check that out because, like you, I I love this movie. You know, I, I wish. I mean, I have to see if I could buy a physical copy of it because I, I know it's on Shutter, but I'd love to have a physical copy I- of it. Um, I liked yeah. I liked her work so much. I went and actually purchased uh, on digitally. I got the uh, the Bad Batch, which is another one. Of oh, films, I heard that's good. Which, yeah, which seemed like it had an interesting concept, and I like some of the people that are in it. So I'm looking forward to checking that one out. And I know she's tapped to direct the all female remake of Cliffhanger. So sorry, uh, Dean. What? That they're remaking Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, she's going to direct the all female uh, Cliffhanger. Maybe? Did we see Cliffhanger <laughs> really? in theaters together? <laughs> I mean, I saw it like three times in the theater, so it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. uh, I yeah, can't remember if we were friends yet at that time. Was that 92? No, though? we definitely were, man. 93. 93. Okay. 93. Uh, it's like uh, it borderline. That's like, that's like that close period. <laughs> yeah, it's close. But like... You know that that at that film at that time that was like a like a kind of a, almost like a comeback film for for Stallone. Fuck yeah, it was uh, awesome. And well, I remember I remember loving it at the time. I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> yeah. look aside aside from the fact that I'm obviously a big Sylvester Stallone fan, uh, when it comes to action movies, I've also always been a fan of action movies that take place in like a like a like a natural setting like snowy mountains is a perfect example of that so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know this fit the bill and it was exciting and fun and Stallone was back after like a series of films that were not uh, that good 
and uh, it had a great, a great score and great action and performances and an excellent villainous performance from Lithgow and uh, oh great, yeah, uh, Michael you know, Rooker in in Michael Rooker, um, you know, so and, and a fantastically suspenseful opening sequence uh, oh, as well. Like that movie, please. that movie wastes, wastes no fucking time uh, jumping <laughs> no. out of the gates. I have not heard anything about a, a, a remake. But yeah, she will be directing, and it's going to be a female, uh, female-oriented reboot of Cliffhanger. So that's female all I know. I mean, there's no Cliffhanger mother. reboot. Here, here, here we have it. So, oh no! There shit. it is. She also directed an episode of Legion. She directed yeah, she chapter ten of that. So I have to, uh, you know, I look forward to going back and seeing it. That was an episode I enjoyed. I still have to finish that okay. damn series. I love that fucking series so much, man. That every time I end up like getting back into <laughs> season two, and then I start where I left off, and then I'm like, oh fuck, yeah. I'm so lost because every episode is like <laughs> a fucking LSD experience. So then I'm like, all right, let me go back a few episodes, mm-hmm. and then I go back a few episodes, and I'm like, oh, I remember all this. Then I shut it off, and I don't go back again for like fucking three months. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did season one of that, and I, I didn't go back. Not because I didn't like it. I just found other things to watch. But uh, as, we're, as we're closing out tonight, boys, uh, that was uh, A Girl Walks Home One at Night. Uh, but next week, it is my pick. Uh, so I decided back in 2017, we covered the first Hatchet, uh, Adam Green's Hatchet. I loved it so much that back in 2017, when he rebooted it in a way with Victor Crowley, I knew that was going to be eventually one of my Victor picks. Victor Crowley. So, Next week, 2017, Victor Crowley, directed by Adam Green. We're going to be discussing it. So, yes, we're going back to Honey Island Swamp. Kane Hodder, Victor Crowley, Adam Green. And I'm looking forward to it. A lot it. of blood. A big mess. Oh, yeah. What was it? Hatchet? Hatchet? Victor Crowley. No, no, Victor Crowley. Oh, Victor Crowley. Victor Crowley. Okay, I got you. Yep, I just got put it. the link in the other uh, group chat so you have it. It's available on Tubi. So, free copy. I have a physical copy of it. But if you don't, I hooked you up. Uh, so we'll talk about Victor Crowley next week. <clears throat> All right. All right. So, uh, Dean, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And we will see you back here next week for Victor Crowley. All right. Can't wait. Victor Crowley. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right, Doug. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and hit us with a plug as we uh, close out? Well, as always, you know, like I say, every fucking week, go over to Etsy. All one word in the search engine, Bonfire Bee Designs. The Google girl is working on making all kinds of stuff. There's a whole new batch of things that are about to go back up. Um, Again, bracelets, necklaces, gemstones, pendants, all handcrafted jewelry. She works her ass off to make it. She loves getting it out there. She loves knowing that people are wearing it. And, again, a happy Google girl means a happy ghoul, and I think that's what everybody wants, because otherwise I'm miserable. Then I don't talk. Maybe that's what everybody wants. I don't know. No, anyway, we again, want you to go, talk all the time. Go to Etsy, <laughs> all one word, Bonfire Beat Designs, and stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to look us up on Facebook, on Instagram. We're there all the time. I'm always posting something. The ghoul and the dean are always posting on Instagram. It's a lot of fun. So until next we meet, well, we'll be talking about Victor Crowley. Hail Satan, hail yourself. Keep watching horror movies and keep America strong. Victor Crowley. Dun, 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 dun.